This is the Building Management Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. As people become more comfortable in the home building automation space, they want to be able to take this commercial as well. Regardless of the ups and downs in the stock market, if these manufacturers, these plants, and these entities want to stay open, they need water. Welcome to MarketScale Building Management. I'm your host, Sean Heath. Human beings have an amazing little feature called an opposable thumb. It allows us to grasp and carry an amazing spectrum of things. Sadly, that increases the opportunity for us to drop those things. For example, uh, maybe you've had a child drop a glass of red Gatorade on a beige carpet. Or remember that time you were in the grocery store and that jar of pickles slipped out of your hand and shattered all over the floor? I'm not talking about personal experience, of course, but you understand what I mean. Well, while those spills are somewhat emotionally impactful, I don't think they quite reach the level of tragic or catastrophic. My guest on the podcast today, however, deals in tragic and catastrophic and dangerous and actual emergency level spills all the time. And guess what? He decided to do something about it. Of course, my guest on the podcast today is the founder of Safe Drain Stormwater Holdings Incorporated, John Deming. John, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Just off the top, have you experienced the Red Gatorade spill? Is that something you're familiar with? Yeah, I think I think everyone, uh, you know, aside from you know, crayons on the wall and carpet, uh, red Gatorade spills happen. I want to start off talking about the personal experience that you had that caused you to decide to form Safe Drain. Well, you know, it's I see a similarity in between, funny enough, the red Gatorade and uh, industrial spills because neither of them are are really planned for. But it, but it is something we can be prepared for if you have uh, the right policies and procedures in place. Um, you know, I, I was working in semiconductor years ago, and, and there was a spill into the drain, and it, it turned out to be a just a huge issue. And, and the really, uh, just the no-brainer of it was, why weren't we able to stop that? So it's, it's really a response, we've, and we've always responded to a concern for the environment and how do we stop these spills. And, and Safe Drain wasn't really ever founded on, hey, let's make some money. It was, what can we do about the environment or for the environment? Why do spills like this happen? Is it negligence? Is it structural design? Is there any one factor that's more prevalent than anything else? You know, I, I think it's always a combination of factors. I, I think that uh, sometimes it's lack of preparedness. Maybe it's um, complacency or it's just one of those things where somebody isn't paying attention and rams a forklift into a 55-gallon drum and, and then backs out and then there's the spill. You mentioned a 55-gallon drum. It doesn't take that much for one of these incidents to become an actual emergency. You were telling me that a spill of only one gallon of oil can contaminate a million gallons of water. Is that true? Were you messing with me? No, that's very true. That's, that's, a, that's a well-known fact, I believe, and, and it's, it just emphasizes what we are doing to the environment and what our actions are causing. And to me, it always leads back to trying to prevent it, whether you prevent it with physical devices such as we do at Safe Drain, 
or you, you, you stop a spill from ever happening by having policies and procedures in place, and you have education of, of your workforce. You have to identify the risk and then put policies and procedures in place. Jeez, I hope I don't say policies and procedures too much. But they're not always followed. There's, there's always room for an incident or accident. Do companies budget enough just as a general rule to, to put towards preventing these issues? You know, I, th- I think they do. And, and there's uh, a lot of regulations in place, uh, specifically if you carry a certain amount of bulk liquid uh, fuel or oils, you have to implement second uh, physical secondary containment structures. Well, there's always something that can happen, even if those regulations are followed. But I don't think it's so much about following the regulations. It's more about education and doing the right thing for the environment. You don't want to do secondary containment uh, and just think that uh, everything's taken care of at that point. You really have to see what would happen if the secondary containment failed. What would happen if a pipeline failed? What would happen if a delivery truck you know, hose broke? It, it's about protecting everything at your facility. What are some of the topics or the features that would be covered in a training on how to use containing products? You know, I think it's identifying your risks. You, you have to figure out when that delivery shows up, where that delivery person is. Does delivery come in the middle of the night and there's really no one there to respond to a spill if it could happen? And part of the thing that at Safe Dream we've always done was stop the spill from leaving your property. Therefore, it's never technically a reportable spill because you have contained it. Uh, whether it's uh, secondary containment or your third step of containment, we, we like to think of safe drain as that last line of defense before it enters the environment. So e- even in that scenario where the driver's there at 2 a.m. delivering chemicals and a hose breaks, his policies and procedures, his, his, he should be able to close the storm drains before he ever pulls a hose off the truck. For the unfortunate circumstance that a spill does happen, it's contained. And then cleanup costs, uh, liability, risk to workers, fines, everything is so significantly reduced. Uh, we, we actually have a, a ton of case studies or, or incidents where customers will call us and say, hey, we had a spill. It was contained your product. It was the greatest thing ever. Thank you so much. By the way, don't tell anyone about this. People don't want that negative recognition of, of having a spill or having some sort of breakdown in, in the operations where something like this happens. At the same time, you would think they would be proud of the fact that they had the foresight to plan for the possible eventuality of a spill, and they were prepared for it. Yeah, I, I think they do internally. I just don't think that they, um, they publicize that. One of the issues that you run into, and I would imagine you see this all the time, okay, a building has procedures in place, and a spill happens, and the containment uh, kit that they have, something's missing because it was used for something else that may or may not have been an emergency. I would think that raiding an emergency kit for a non-emergency issue is probably something that drives you absolutely crazy. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, a lot of either the supplies are missing or they're ineffective. It's, it's really tough to, um, you know, there's a thing called a, a spill mat. It's sort of a gel mat that you can put over a storm drain in the event of a spill. And, and they're not super effective because they have to conform to the exact structure of the drain. And hopefully you probably have to put some spill mat or uh, some sandbags on them. But it's also pretty difficult to grab a 40-pound mat and run a couple hundred yards to a storm drain. Where in the safe drain, we, we overcome that by having this in place 24-7 and having 100% seal in seconds. And, and the other 
uh, downside of gel mats are if it's cold weather, they're never going to, to mate to that drain to stop a spill. Oh, because they're too stiff because they're cold. Exactly. And if they're too hot, they melt. So, so we're, uh, we like to think of ourselves as, as a solution uh, to already have in place. You can open or close a safe drain in, in seconds. And, and the great thing of having some foresight and being proactive is that you can actually shut the drain off before any risky operation, before any fueling or delivery. And that sort of leads me into a story with a great example combined with some of the things we were talking about where people are being proactive and they're proud of it. We had a, a customer um, have a delivery truck pull up. Now they've got secondary containment. They've got all these double contained pipes that everything is in place that would make them a safe facility and, and the risk of a spill lowered. However, this truck that pulled up about four or five feet from a storm drain, it's transmission blew by mechanical failure. Several gallons of, of fluid went into the storm drain. Well, thankfully there was a safe drain installed and the safe drain valve was closed, so the spill was contained. Well, the people called the Coast Guard, the EPA, the city, they called the fire department, they called everyone out there, and, and the consensus was, it's not a spill. It didn't go into the environment. Well, they called me, and one of the customers called me and said, hey, this is the greatest thing ever. About a year later, they had a second spill. 55 gallons of uh, diesel exhaust fluid uh, tipped over and went into this storm drain, straight into a safe drain, and again, it, they were excited that they did that. And, and I said, well, you know, we've, we've only got a, a couple dozen uh, units out here. You have a lot room for more. There are some other areas. And they said, that's ah, not really in the budget. And I said, I understand that. About eight months later, they had a third spill that went into the storm drain and into the water. And last I heard, they were at $483,000 in fines and cleanup costs. I'm going to guess that safe drain doesn't cost that much. No, no. You know, and sometimes people get sticker shock. We're, we're in between three and $4,000 per unit, but they're stainless steel. They're, they're built to last. They'll, they'll withstand most anything. And it's something that's going to be in place for the next 30, 40 years. The only moving part we have is, is, is our valve system. And eight volts later, that's replaced. And we recommend you replace those every eight to 10 years, uh, just as a precautionary measure. In that scenario you just talked about, the initial two spills could be considered minor. Those could have actually been used as a positive thing. Right. Because it was proof of concept for the company, and they saw, oh man, the, we, you know, we probably need more of these. But they just didn't seize upon those small spills as being positives. They saw them as being catastrophe averted. It's hard to gauge exactly. Um... They didn't share that, that thought process with me, but I, I think when the second spill happened and the cleanup costs were hundreds, if not thousands, you know, just a couple thousand dollars um, to, to recycle that, uh, that material, it didn't really hit them until this big spill hit them. And now they understand and, and uh, have put a lot more units in, in every area that could possibly have a spill. Now, you mentioned uh, your initial inception uh, for this idea. You were at that spill as an emergency responder. So I'm going to go ahead and assume you've spent your fair share of time in water. I'm curious, swim with sharks or absolutely not? <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, in doing research to prepare to talk to you today, I was unable to find any indication that as humans, we have a super secret backup water supply? We don't, right? Not, not that anyone has shared with me. The water that we have is the water that we have, and keeping it clean 
somewhat important. Well, I, I think it's super important, and I and I think that uh, a lot of us grew up playing in in creeks and uh, and lakes or, or rivers, spending the summer or weekends uh, enjoying the water. And and I think there's a reason now that a lot of people don't want to go into the water, or everyone's drinking out of bottled water or filtered water. And water is our most precious resource, uh, whether it's from trash in the ocean to uh, trash on the beach to spills and sediment that we're putting down the drains every day. It's one of these things I think that are taken for granted and overlooked a lot of the time. And, and it only takes a little bit of prevention and some structural controls, but I think it also takes a whole lot of education and, and being proactive. Yeah, it does seem to be a fact that spill control is really a matter of want to. You know, I think we, we've sort of drilled this down to a couple things. Um, companies that are socially and environmentally responsible, they don't want to spill. They don't want uh, you know, some of the bigger spills that have happened. The company's names have been have drug around uh, in shame. But people don't want it to happen. So there, there's one thing. And the second one is regulations. People want to comply with the regulations. So they only put a few units in where they think they need them. But I lean more towards the social and environmental responsible companies that will do will protect every drain because it could happen versus then exactly what you need to do or what you're required to do. It does seem that the emotional and psychological component of the impact of spills can play a major role in the decision-making process, almost as important, if not more so, than the financial impact of a spill. You know, I, I think so. It's not till a large um, financial impact happens that a company believes that they need to protect the drains or, or, or needs to be proactive. And it's, it's, I, I keep going back to the common sense of it's not the regulations. Don't just comply with the regulations, but do what's right for the environment. Stop the spill from ever getting into the ground and it's, you know, into the water. But it's not just spills. You know, it's, it's everyday operations. It's sediment. It's, uh, it's metals. It's all the things that you could actually prevent from going into our environment. Today, it has been my privilege to have a conversation with the founder, executive vice president, COO, chief cook and bottle washer for (laughs) Safe Drain Stormwater Holdings Incorporated, John Deming. John, thank you so much for all of the efforts that you put into this extremely important situation. And extra thanks for taking the time today to talk to me. I really have enjoyed this. Absolutely, Sean. Thank you very much for having me on. This has been a great, great experience.